This is literally everything, 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 everything. If you're like me, you have a pile of books older than your grandma's mom and taller than the Empire State Building just begging to be read. To top it off, you probably add several books to said pile every week, yet somehow find yourself in a reading slump with nothing to read. Uh Uh-huh, I see you. In an attempt to tackle my never-ending pile of books, I decided to start a podcast with hopes of making some sort of dent in said pile, and maybe help inspire your next read. I'm Odell. Welcome to Just Read It Already. Hey everyone, I hope all is well for you. We're slowly creeping up on the official start of fall, though if you're one of those who measures your seasons by Starbucks seasonal drinks, then I guess fall is already underway for you because PSL popped up at the end of August. Today, I'll share my thoughts on Casey McQuiston's Red, White, and Royal Blue, Sonali Dev's Lies and Other Love Languages, Alicia Elliott's And Then She Fell, and Anne Patchett's Tom Lake. But first, let's look at some new releases. First on my list is Your Lonely Nights Are Over by Adam Sass. I reviewed this book on episode 20, really enjoyed it. This is described as Scream meets Clueless. It's a young adult horror in which two gay teen BFFs find their friendship tested when a serial killer starts targeting their school's queer club. Lots of fun. Then we have Dreambound by Dan Frey. I reviewed this one on episode 22. A father must uncover the secret magical underbelly of Los Angeles to find his daughter, who has seemingly disappeared into the fictional universe of her favorite fantasy series. Then we have The Borrow a Boyfriend Club by Paige Powers. This one is about a trans teen who joins a boyfriend borrowing service masquerading as an Italian club to prove that he's one of the guys, especially to its frustratingly handsome leader. Then we have 19 Steps by Millie Bobby Brown. Yes, that is Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. This is a moving tale of love, longing, and loss inspired by the true events of her family's experience during World War II. Next is Monstrous by Jessica Lewis. Forced to spend her summer in her aunt's strange small town, a teen girl discovers dark secrets hidden in the woods. Then we have Normal Rules Don't Apply by Kate Atkinson. This is described as a dazzling collection of 11 interconnected stories. Next is Fall of Ruin and Wrath by Jennifer L. Armentrout. This is the beginning of a new fantasy romance series for adults. Next is Perfectly Nice Neighbors by Kia Abdullah. This asks the question, when your dream home comes with nightmare neighbors, how far will you go to keep your family safe? Next is Those Pink Mountain Nights by Jen Ferguson. This is about the hurt of a life stuck in past tense, the hum of connections that cannot be severed, and one week in a small snowy town that changes everything. Next is This Is How We End Things by R.J. Jacobs. A compelling new psychological thriller following a tight-knit group of graduate students studying the psychology of lying. When one of them is discovered dead after an experiment, everything the group thought they knew about deception crumbles. Next is No Child of Mine by Nichelle Giraldes, or Giraldes, G-I-R-A-L-D-E-S, Giraldes. 
Described as hauntingly powerful, equal parts a ghost story and a tale of what we are prepared to do for love. Next is The Name Drop by Susan Lee. A summer in New York City, a case of mistaken identity. What could possibly go wrong? I would venture to guess all sorts of things. And last on my list is What Stalks Among Us by Sarah Hallowell. A spine-tingling, deliriously creepy young adult speculative thriller about two best friends trapped in a corn maze with corpses that look just like them. I believe I'm going to have to check that one out. That sounds like a lot of fun. This week, I received advanced copies of My Fair Brady by Brian D. Kennedy and 27 Minutes by Ashley Tate, courtesy of the publishers through NetGalley, in exchange for an honest review. I really enjoyed Kennedy's A Little Bit Country, so I have high hopes for his new one. You can check out my review of A Little Bit Country on episode 18. My Fair Brady releases on January 23rd, 2024, and 27 Minutes drops January 30th, 2024. So I'll have reviews of both of those after the new year at some point. All right, it's review time. And we'll start by looking at Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. This book was first published on May 14th, 2019 by St. Martin's Griffin and was the Goodreads Choice Award winner for both Best Romance and Best Debut Novel in 2019. The synopsis reads, First son, Alex Claremont Diaz, is the closest thing to a prince this side of the Atlantic. With his intrepid sister and the Veep's genius granddaughter, they're the White House trio, a beautiful millennial marketing strategy for his mother, President Ellen Claremont. International socialite duties do have downsides, Namely, when photos of a confrontation with his longtime nemesis, Prince Harry, at a royal wedding leak to the tabloids and threaten American-British relations. The plan for damage control? Staging a fake friendship between the first son and the prince. As President Claremont kicks off her re-election bid, Alex finds himself hurtling into a secret relationship with Henry that could derail the campaign and upend two nations. What is worth the sacrifice? How do you do all the good you can do? And most importantly, how will history remember you? I was super late to the party on this one. It's been on my TBR for a very long time, and I decided that I needed to hurry up and read it before the movie premiered on Amazon, and I'm so happy I finally gave it a shot. The novel focuses on the lives of Alex Claremont Diaz, the charismatic and ambitious first son of the United States, and Prince Henry, the reserved and dutiful heir to the British throne. The story begins with a cringeworthy mishap at a royal wedding that propels Alex and Henry into a fake friendship to repair diplomatic relations between the two nations. Little do they know that this friendship will evolve into something much more profound. The author effortlessly weaves together a heartwarming and humorous tale of two seemingly opposite individuals who discover that love knows no boundaries. Through the lens of politics and monarchy, McQuiston introduces readers to a world filled with delightful characters, witty banter, and a surprisingly refreshing take on same-sex romance. One of the most appealing aspects of McQuiston's storytelling lies in their ability to create fully fleshed-out characters that readers can't help but root for. I really felt sorry for the character of Henry. I knew the monarchy was rigid, but had never really given much thought to what it must be like for a gay prince. I really felt for him. And then Alex was his polar opposite. He's happy-go-lucky with a quick wit and a sharp tongue. His personality made him my favorite of the couple. Still, I think Zara, the PR person in charge of cleaning up all of Alex's messes, won the favorite character contest hands down, though. She is fucking hilarious. Crack me up. 
Not surprisingly, politics play a significant role in the story, serving as a backdrop for the blossoming romance between Alex and Henry. Who knew a relationship between two royal sons from different countries could be so complex? Through clever dialogue and well-researched political scenarios, McQuiston delves into the modern intricacies of international relations, campaign trails, and the pressures of being part of a political dynasty. It reminds readers that love knows no boundaries, whether political, societal, or personal. McQuiston's descriptive prose transports the reader to the glamorous halls of the White House, the enchanting gardens of Windsor Castle, and the bustling streets of London. The dialogue is witty and clever, brimming with several pop culture references. The author effortlessly interweaves humor and emotion, making you laugh out loud one moment and then tear up the next. I think my only complaint, and honestly, I feel like complaint is a strong word here, is that the chapter seemed really, really long. And I only say that because I'm one of those weirdos who likes to keep their chapters below like 25 to 30 pages at most. I don't know why. I guess maybe with shorter chapters, it's easier for me to justify, okay, just one more chapter before bed. Now, at the time of this recording, the movie was just released on Amazon, and it's really sweet. I did like it a lot. There are several differences between the book and the movie. For example, Alex's sister June isn't in the movie, and in the book, we have the Queen of England, but in the movie, it's the King. For the most part, it's pretty faithful, though a very pared-down translation. If you've only seen the movie but not read the book, then I highly recommend reading it. You'll get a much deeper dive into Alex and Henry's story. Overall, I love the book and would highly recommend it. The movie is super cute, too. I gave it four stars on Goodreads and four and a half stars on my blog and on Storygraph. Next, I'll share my thoughts on Sonali Dev's Lies and Other Love Languages. This book will be published by Lake Union Publishing on September 26, 2023. I received an advanced reader's copy of this book from the publisher on NetGalley in exchange for an honest review. The synopsis reads, Best-selling advice columnist Vandy Guru built her career teaching others how to live honestly and courageously, but after the loss of her beloved husband, Vandy's public veneer can barely conceal her grief. When her beloved daughter Malika suddenly disappears and her estranged childhood best friend Ronnie returns, stirring up long-buried secrets, Vandy's carefully crafted life feels at risk. Aspiring choreographer Malika Guru is tired of failure. When another audition ends in rejection, she signs up for a genetic study to find out why she's so different from her accomplished family. But the results reveal her whole life to be a lie, and Ronnie seems to be the only one who knows the truth. Ronnie Parikh sacrificed everything for Vandy once, but to hold on to the life she's rebuilt, she must confront her troubled history and face Vandy and Malika. Join these three extraordinary women as they journey from LA to Mumbai on an incredible path of discovery, hope, and love. I love reading books where the main characters are from different cultures and upbringings. It's always interesting to me to compare their life experiences with my basic country white boy experiences. I find it very captivating. As this synopsis laid out, the story revolves around three Indian women, Vandy Guru, her daughter Malika Guru, and Vandy's childhood friend Rani Parikh. Vandy is an advice columnist turned author who has built her career on promoting honesty and courage. However, after losing her husband to an aggressive form of cancer, Vandy struggles to maintain her public persona. When her daughter Malika goes missing and her childhood friend Rani resurfaces, 
Vandy's carefully constructed world begins to crumble. Secrets are unearthed, and Vandy is forced to confront her grief and the lies she's held close for so many years. Malika, her daughter, is an aspiring choreographer. She's tired of failure and rejection. One day, on a whim, she decides to participate in a genetic study. She's hoping to find answers about her differences from her accomplished family. In this process, she discovers a truth that shakes her to her core. Now, Ronnie, who to me was the most complex character of the three, has always been there for Vandy. The two had a beautiful friendship when they were younger, but years later, something happened that caused their friendship to fracture. Over the course of the book, we learn about Ronnie's troubled past, how she and Vandy first met, the development of their relationship, and eventually what drove them apart. The relationship between Vandy, Malika, and Ronnie is the heart and soul of the book. Their bond is tested, shattered, and ultimately rebuilt as a journey from Los Angeles to Mumbai. The dynamics between these women are compelling, and readers will find themselves invested in their stories, rooting for their growth and their happiness. The author expertly weaves together the lives of these three women, creating a story that's filled with emotion, depth, and authenticity. The characters are flawed, but relatable. Each of them struggles with their demons while trying to find their place in the world. Vandy's grief over the loss of her husband is palpable, and readers empathize with her as she does her best to keep her shit together while searching for Malika. And speaking of Malika, her journey of self-discovery is both heartbreaking and inspiring. And then we have Ronnie's tragic childhood and the lengths she's gone to rebuild her life. Her story is beautifully written and probably the most poignant of the three characters. Dev's writing style is vivid and evocative. It paints a vivid picture of both LA and Mumbai. Another high point in the book is the author's exploration of cultural identity and the immigrant experience. The characters grapple with their Indian heritage while navigating the complexities of life in the United States. Dev tackles these themes with sensitivity and nuance, showcasing the challenges and triumphs of finding a balance between two worlds. Lies and Other Love Languages is a heart-wrenching but captivating novel that delves into the complexities of relationships, motherhood, and the power of love. This was my first novel by this author, and I'm definitely interested in checking out more by her. Whether you're a fan of Bollywood romances or appreciate a well-written and engaging story, this book will surely capture your heart. Dev's exploration of love, loss, and the power of relationships is sure to leave a lasting impression on readers. I gave this one three and three quarter stars on my blog and rounded it to four stars on Goodreads. And just like that, it's break time. share my thoughts on And Then She Fell by Alicia Elliott. I received an advanced copy of this book from the publisher through NetGalley in exchange for an honest review. This book is published by Dutton and will release on September 26, 2023. The synopsis reads, On the surface, Alice is exactly where she thinks she should be. She's just given birth to a beautiful baby girl, Dawn. Her charming husband, Steve, a white academic whose area of study is conveniently her own Mohawk culture, is nothing but supportive, and they moved into a new home in a posh Toronto neighborhood. But Alice could not feel like more of an imposter. She isn't connecting with her daughter, a struggle made even more difficult by the recent loss of her own mother. 
and every waking moment is spent hiding her despair from Steve and their ever-watchful neighbors, among whom she's the sole indigenous resident. Even when she does have a minute to herself, her perpetual self-doubt hinders the one vestige of her old life. She has her goal of writing a modern retelling of the Haudenosaunee creation story. Then strange things start to happen. She finds herself losing bits of time and hearing voices she can't explain, all while her neighbor's passive-aggressive behavior begins to morph into something far more threatening. Though Steve assures her this is all in her head, Alice cannot fight the feeling that something is very, very wrong, and that in her creation story lies the key to her and Dawn's survival. She just has to finish it before it's too late. This book was so wild and complex. It's a captivating journey through the complexities of mental health and the struggles faced by First Nation tribes in Canada. The story revolves around Alice, a Mohawk woman who has just given birth to her daughter Dawn. On the outside, Alice's life seems perfect. She lives in an upscale Toronto neighborhood with her white husband Steve, an academic specializing in Mohawk culture. They have a lovely house in a peaceful and very white Toronto neighborhood. This life is much different than what Alice is used to. She grew up on a reservation without many of the niceties she now has at her fingertips. One would think Alice would be happy with her new life, but honestly, she feels like an imposter. And no matter where she goes, she feels as though everyone is staring at her and out to get her. Is it her imagination, or is everyone really out to get her? Not only does she struggle with feeling like an outsider, but she also struggles to connect with her newborn daughter, and still battles with guilt over the recent loss of her mother. Elliot's vivid descriptions allow readers to delve deep into Alice's emotions and fractured psyche, feeling the weight of her despair and self-doubt. As Alice tries to reclaim her old identity by writing a modern adaptation of the Haudenosaunee creation story, strange things begin to happen. She experiences gap in her memory, hears unexplained voices. Simultaneously, her neighbor's hostile behavior becomes increasingly menacing. Trees start to whisper. The neighborhood houses all seem to be stalking her. And why does Disney's Pocahontas keep popping up? Is she being stalked by something paranormal, or is it all in her head? The author skillfully weaves together Alice's personal journey with the larger context of mental health issues. With profound insight, Elliot sheds light on the struggles and stigma associated with mental health within Indigenous communities. The book's descriptive style fully immerses readers in the story. Elliot's writing captures your attention from the very first page and does not let go until the final words, and if you're like me, they'll leave a lasting impact. The plot is intricately woven, and the author seamlessly blends themes of mental health, identity, and cultural preservation into a single narrative. The pacing is just right, allowing for moments of reflection and introspection while maintaining a gripping momentum and a creepy atmosphere. I loved how Elliot treats her characters with care, ensuring they are multidimensional and believable. Readers will root for Alice as she struggles to find her voice and confront the demons within her mind and her community. I was so caught up in her story that I began to question my own sanity. And Then She Fell is an important and timely addition to contemporary literature, and I love that the author approaches these heavy topics so skillfully and with a touch of horror. Through Alice's story, Alicia Elliott shines a light on the often overlooked experiences of indigenous people and all they've endured since white settlers swept in, stole their land, and killed off many of their family members. 
This is an important and creepy piece of work that will garner plenty of discussion. I gave it four stars. I'll close out with my thoughts on Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. This book was first published by Harper on August 1st, 2023, and was Reese's Book Club pick for that month. The synopsis reads, In the spring of 2020, Lara's three daughters return to the family's orchard in northern Michigan. While picking cherries, they beg their mother to tell them the story of Peter Duke, a famous actor with whom she shared both a stage and a romance years before at a theater company called Tom Lake. As Lara recalls the past, her daughters examine their own lives and relationship with their mother and are forced to reconsider the world and everything they thought they knew. I love Anne Patchett's writing style. I read Bel Canto by her several years ago and was immediately captivated and have been a fan ever since. Tom Lake was just as beautiful and just as captivating. It's an introspective novel that explores the complexities of love, family, youth, and what could have been. I knew I was in for a real treat from the moment I started reading. The story revolves around Laura and her family as she recounts how she went from a small-town New Hampshire girl to an almost movie star and dated someone who eventually became one of Hollywood's biggest leading men. It all started when she and a friend agreed to help sign people up for the community theater production of Our Town in their small New Hampshire town. After watching several young women read for the role of Emily, Lara decides she can do it better, so she gives it a shot and ends up getting cast. She's so convincing in the role that she meets someone who asks her to audition for a movie. She gets that movie role, and when the movie is put on hold, she eventually finds herself playing Emily once again in a summer stock production of Our Town in Michigan. This is where she meets a boy named Peter Duke, and thus sets the stage for the rest of the book. The book alternates seamlessly between past and present as Lara's three daughters, stuck working in the family's cherry orchard during the pandemic, encourage their mother to share the story of Peter Duke, the now famous actor from her past. What follows is a poignant exploration of the relationships between mothers and daughters and the ways in which our past shapes our present. One of the things I admire most about Anne Patchett's writing is her ability to create deep, three-dimensional characters that feel incredibly real. Lara, the protagonist of Tom Lake, is a compelling and relatable figure. Her struggles, desires, and regrets are laid bare on the pages, and as is typical with many of Patchett's characters, I quickly became emotionally invested in her journey. I was just as captivated as her daughters in her stories, and I loved getting the inside scoop on some of the things she remembers, but chooses not to divulge to her daughters. And speaking of the daughters, they are also wonderfully developed characters. Each has their own unique personality and voice, and their individual stories add depth and nuance to the overall narrative. Patchett carefully explores the complexities of mother-daughter relationships, highlighting the ways in which these bonds can be both nurturing and challenging. Another aspect of the novel that I found particularly compelling was the exploration of time and its effects on relationships. Through Laura's recollections and her daughter's reactions, Patchett examines how our past experiences shape the way we navigate the present. She delves into the concept of nostalgia and the bittersweet nature of memory, reminding us that while the past can be beautiful, it can also be painful. I loved how the story unfolded. It was perfectly paced, and I loved learning why Laura decided to let Peter go, and how she eventually found her way to her adorable husband. 
In terms of writing style, Patchett's prose is just as poetic and as evocative as ever. She has a way of painting vivid images with her words that transport the reader to the idyllic beauty of the Michigan landscape. The orchard setting is lovingly described, and I could practically smell the cherry blossoms and taste the sweetness of the cherries that they were picking. Her attention to detail and her ability to create an atmosphere just adds a lot of richness to her stories. For me, Tom Lake was a stunning novel that just further showcases Anne Patchett's immense talent as a writer. Having spent time working in theater and having done a production of Our Town, it was even more poignant for me. With its well-drawn characters and profound exploration of love and family, it's a book that will definitely stay with me and one I will revisit down the road. And if you want an extra treat, check out the audiobook version. Meryl Streep narrates it and it is as exquisite as one would expect. If you're looking for a thought-provoking and emotionally resonant read, I highly recommend picking up Tom Lake. You won't be disappointed. Not surprisingly, I gave it five stars. It's definitely made the list for one of my top books this year. As always, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and follow on whatever podcast app you're listening on. And for more up-to-date bookish news, be sure to follow me on Instagram at JustReadItAlreadyPod. Join me next week when I share my thoughts on Emily Habeck's Shark Heart, Alice Hoffman's The Invisible Hour, Judy Bloom's Summer Sisters, and Megan Golden's Dark Corners. Have an amazing week.